suppose, Dad, I thought y'all were going to do a special. Let the river flow? Or it flowed right out. <laughs> You're going to have a what? Oh, yes, that's what it's supposed to do. We're supposed to have some special guests today that's going to play flutes. Both, I guess both of them will play. He plays piano. She plays flute. We had the flute lady the, some months ago, but they were supposed to be back today, but I guess the weather they didn't get to. Uh, let me tell you up front today, I'm changing the message. I know the weather's nasty outside, and we're going to try to get you out of it a little bit early. Uh, but next week we'll pick up and start all over. And it just, uh, I, had a, I had a good one planned to today also. It's one year to live. Now just think about what would happen if, you ha- if the doctor told you that you had one year to live this next year. And how, what change you'd make. But we're not going to do that one today. We've got some other things here. I'm not sure exactly what we're going to do. We'll just play our ear and see how it goes. But anyway, it, uh, if you will, get your Bibles and turn, me, turn with me to Romans chapter 8, verse 37. How to be more than conquerors. We hear those terms quite a bit. How do we conquer this life we have? How do we conquer the situations in our life? How do we do these things? And the, the Bible gives us explicit directions of how we can conquer in many areas of our life, if we'll just take his guidance for it. If you would, I'm going to ask you to stand me one more time as we read Romans chapter 8, verse 37. Probably a verse that most of you could repeat by memory. Romans chapter 8, verse 39 simply says, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear God, we thank you, Lord, for this day you've given. Even though the weather is nasty outside and it's expecting to get worse, we still thank you for the opportunity to be here and to worship you and to lift up your name, sing songs, just to fellowship together. Lord, it's not the typical Sunday, but at the same time, we just ask that you'd protect each one on the highways, not even the all, only members of our church. We ask you to protect everybody as they drive up and down the highways. And Lord, as this afternoon is supposed to even get worse, we just ask that you would just protect us. And, Lord, that we not get out unless we have to. And, Lord, we just ask that you would be with each of the families, Lord, be with Velta's family, especially this morning. Be with Robert and Karen's grandson, the family there that's going through this trial time at this time of year. And, Lord, for so many others that are just uh, having trials that we don't even know about. And, Lord, we just ask that you would strengthen each one and bring them back to us. Lord, thank you for this beginning of the new year tonight. And we just pray that this year will be one of the greatest years in the history of Robertson Avenue Baptist Church. Lord, that we would just come together and become to be what you want us to be in every area of our life. Lord, that we would be conquerors over the trials and troubles and situations we face in life. Go with us through these next few minutes. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, we are a little bit early getting started, but I thought we was having a special day. I thought just singing Let the River Flow or something other. Obviously, that changed. The <laughs> we'll just go ahead and skip that. So just <laughs> y'all are sure eager to volunteer somebody else to sing, especially this front row. I don't remember any of y'all ever singing. So you want to sing? What? You know what? Let the 
Y'all know it? We'll come up here and sing it. <laughs> Do what? I figured that. How do we conquer all the things we're going to face in 2018? There will be trials for us. In fact, in all likelihood, as we begin to go into this new year tonight at 12.01 or 12 o'clock midnight, the sad part is that probably somebody in our church family will not be here next year this time because we all know that death gets every one of us. I read a statistic not too long ago that's talking about death, and it's pretty accurate. It says one in one people die sooner or later. <laughs> and, I mean, we don't like to talk about that, but at the same time, it's a fact of life that we all deal with. But we need to conquer, first of all, with more prayer, I believe. Philippians chapter 4, 6 says, But in everything by prayer, let your requests be made known to God. Let your requests be made known to God. Many Christians lack victory because they neglect to pray. You know, it's just amazed me over the years of how little most your average Christian prays. Now, there's been statistics done on it and so forth, and I don't know if this is still accurate. It was a few years ago I read this. I believe one of our Southern Baptist uh, publications came out with this and said they did a survey and took from all the... Now, this is church people. It's not people outside the doors. This is church people, Southern Baptists, like we are. And so they took a survey of how much time do you spend in prayer every week. And believe it or not, it averaged out to like 15 minutes a week. Now think about that. 15 minutes a week. No wonder we have powerless homes, powerless lives, powerless churches. Because we neglect prayer so much. Listen to that verse again, Philippians 4, 6. But in everything by prayer, let your requests be made known to God. Many Christians lack victory because they neglect to pray. Some pray about the big things that happen, but forget about the little things that trip us up on a daily basis. Song of Solomon writes these words, two, in chapter 2, verse 15. It's the little foxes that spoil the vines. And how many times is that true in our lives that we focus on the big things, a big bad ailment, the flu, even cancer and things. We pray heavily about those. But yet when it comes to the little things, the Bible just told us it's the little foxes that spoil the vines. We neglect the little things to pray about. We focus on the big ones. We know how to do that. When we get in a situation where we're hopeless and helpless, we know how to pray at those situations. But I believe what the what Song of Solomon is telling us that we need to concentrate in on the little things of our lives. The little things that we perhaps take for granted. The little things that come upon us on a continual basis. If we are to be more than conquerors, we must pray about everything. In everything by prayer, let your request be made known to God. He didn't say the little things versus the big ones. He doesn't say the things that you're really worried about versus the things that's all, let's just, we can get over that. He said, in everything by prayer, let your request be made known to God. I believe God says prayer is very important to each one of us. 
Prayer is something we need to dwell on. We need to spend time on. We need to learn how to pray. One of the best things that we ever did at any church I've ever been at, we had a, a prayer conference one year. This has been when we first went to Cornerstone, Texarkana. And it, uh, this guy had contacted me, and he said he does prayer conferences. And I thought, what is that? I mean, really? And so anyway, we began talking. He said, let me send you some literature on it. He sent me a whole pack of stuff. I mean, he was, he's an evangelist, but he did prayer conferences. And I said, what are you doing for churches? And he said, yeah, we do. That, in fact, that's where we'd rather start at. And he came, and I don't remember. It wasn't a full week, probably a, over the weekend, maybe, maybe five days, but it wasn't a you know, full week thing. But each day we would focus on a different part of prayer. And you know what he began to teach us came right out of the Bible and taught us that how we're to pray. Do you realize a lot of people don't know how to pray? We just say some words. But he began to teach this. In fact, his last name was, do you remember his name, Judy? His last name was Snowden. Snowden. And, uh, but I've, I've lost contact with him. He was uh, from up uh, northeast Arkansas. But he did a tremendous job. And each night we would gather in little groups and we'd begin to pray. And now, by no means, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying because it, it was not due to because we were there. But this church, when we went there, was run about 115 in, school, in Sunday school. And we got to see that church in nine and a half years average about 250. And I really believe... Because in those early days, and I'm saying early days of the church, uh, early days that we were there, and because this man came and began to teach us how to pray. Now, I know most Christians say, what do you mean? I pray every day. I know we do. But do we pray the way the Bible tells us to? The way we can conquer things? Are we expecting our prayers to be answered? And there's a lot of avenues we can do that. Again, Solomon writes, it's the little foxes that spoil the vines. If we're to be more than conquerors, we must pray about everything, both small and great, and also continuing always in prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. Let me remind you of the night before the crucifixion when Jesus and his disciples were in the garden. And Jesus says, I need to go farther, and I need to pray for the Father. Y'all stay here and watch. And he says, and be awake. Now, that's something a little strange to say if you think about the scenario, but I think he knew something we didn't know. Because as soon as Jesus went into the garden and began to pray, the disciples fell asleep. Now, they were tired. They had walked. I mean, it was a day when you walked everywhere. You didn't jump in your car and go somewhere. It was a time when they walked. They were tired physically as well as spiritually. But the point is drawn out that as soon as he began to go in there and pray, in the garden and pray, the closest followers on the face of the earth to Jesus fell asleep. Does that sound like some of us? When the times get tough and we're trying to pray and God begins to speak to us, sometimes we just fall asleep. Maybe not physically, but we fall asleep. Our minds begin to wander. One of the greatest things personally I've ever done in my life was when we began to leave uh, uh, 
trying to think of the churches there. It's a lot, Novice Baptist Church up in Paris, by Paris, Texas, outside of Paris. I felt God calling me in to speak to the youth. Uh, and going to, you know, sort of like a youth evangelist, if we will. And the doors began to open and so forth. But I remember a, guy, a friend of mine, Mike Fortenberry, a pastor at the time of East Paris Baptist Church. We were good friends. And, and I was telling him about it and so forth. He said, tell you what I, what I would suggest you do before you make a decision. I said, okay. He said, spend 24 hours in prayer. I thought, you kidding me? I mean, I can barely pray for 10 minutes sometimes. He says, spend the night in prayer and see what a difference it makes. And one night I decided I was going to do that. Now, we, I, we lived in the, at the time, the parson was just next door to the church. And so I went over to the church one night and told Judy, he says, I won't be home in the morning. Well, where are you going? I'm going to church. <laughs> of course, I'm not sure she believed that, but it was true. <laughs> but anyway, it, uh, we went over there and got in my office, and I just began to pray. I said, Lord, and this is, I don't remember exactly, but. I said, Lord, this is a decision I believe you put on my heart. If you don't want me doing this, then stop it. Show me something. To make a long story short, for about uh, two and a half years, we got to be in several churches, speaking to youth, youth camps and so forth. And, it, you know, God blessed it. But I will tell you this. God doesn't always give you that blessing. Because about the first year, two and a half years, it was... A lot of meetings go to, a lot of camps go to, and speak at different churches and so on and so forth. And then all of a sudden, he dried it up. I mean, just like overnight. I began to doubt, did I really hear this from God? But yet the results had been there. And then it really, the same man, Mike Fortenberry, me and him went to breakfast one day. I said, man, I don't understand this. Said, God opened the doors, and he's blessed it and all these things. and I mean, everything's just going good. And he says, maybe you finished. What he wanted you to do? He says, maybe he's trying to call you back into pastorate. And I begin to pray about that. And again, please don't take this like I'm bragging. But God began to open the doors for us to go to, at the time, Exeter Baptist Church, a little church that I've shared with you that was just running a few. And we got to watch that church go to, again, about 120 in Sunday school. To this day, in fact, we went back in July. Up to, they asked us to come back and do a homecoming service. And just to, to, great to see old friends. Now, I hate to say it, but now, nowadays the church has gone down to nearly nothing. But And that, again, it's not because we were there as white did good. It's because God was there. And then he moved us to Texarkana, and we got to watch that church go forward. And then we got the blessings of all blessings. He moved us to Copper's Cove, Texas. <laughs> now, I think I've shared this with you before, but I had to, when I talked to Dave on the phone, he said, we want to talk to you seriously. I had to get the map out to see where Copper's Cove, Texas was. I'd already pictured, oh, right, this is nice. It must be on a lake, and right here at the cove is where the church at. Little did I know when I drove down here, there's no lake around here. <laughs> but, but I say that because God has a way of bringing us places if we will allow him to. And I know we've had some down months lately. But folks, I am totally convinced that God's got great things in store for this church. Now that doesn't mean it's going to be 500 people strong. I don't know if that's God's will or not. But I know this. If we'll do what God wants us to in 2018, he will bless because of it. 
Now, everybody that gets saved doesn't necessarily come to Coppers Cove, uh, Robinson Avenue Baptist Church. That's not what we're to do. It's not our job to bring people. I started to say that wrong. It's not our job to focus on getting people in our church. It's our job to focus on getting them into heaven and let God take the rest of it in place. Little foxes that spoil the vines. If we're to be more than conquerors, we must pray about everything, both small and great, continuing always in prayer. Again, Thessalonians 5.17 tells us to pray without ceasing. It doesn't matter what you're facing in your life. It doesn't matter if it's one of those biggies or if it's a little thing you're trying to decide. Which job to take? Maybe you've been looking for a job or whatever it may be. It may seem so small, but God tells us to pray about it and pray without ceasing. Now, how many of us do that? How many of us pray without ceasing over a period of time to find the answer that God wants us to have? The second thing we see here. We need to conquer with more promises. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 says, For all the promises of God are in Him. Excuse me, let me read that again. For all the promises of God in Him are yes, and in Him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Did you catch what that just said? When it's what God's will is for your life, the answer is going to be yes. Every area. You say, well, I didn't see that there. Watch what it says. For all the promises of God in Him, that's the key right there, are yes and in Him, amen, to the glory of God through us. That's what God's Word tells us. That when we pray, if we're praying in Christ, the answer is going to be yes. Because God and the Father were always together. There's only one time that the God and Father had never, were not, were not together. And that was at the cross of Jesus Christ. Remember, Jesus in the garden prayed three times, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Jesus was saying, Father, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go through this. I enjoy these group of these ragtag guys I'm running with. I enjoy them. I enjoy family. I enjoy being around people. If it's any other way, let it pass from me. And God answered and says, there is no other way. Thank God that Jesus followed the Father's advice. Because otherwise we wouldn't be sitting here. For all the promises of God in Him are yes, and in Him, amen, to the glory of God through us. And that's an important part, through us. God's going to bless through us if we are where we need to be. You can't be hiding secret sins. You can't be hiding secret activities you do and expect God to bless your prayer life. Because first we're supposed to confess them and get it out of the way. But confessing doesn't mean just to say, okay, Lord, I messed up again today. I did something I shouldn't have done. Confession is turning away from your sins. We need to be on the route to turn away from it. If we're to be conquerors with more promises, 
Some Christians falter when it comes to reading, remembering, and relying on God's promises. Did you realize there are books out that give you that you can buy the promises of God all through the Bible? I don't remember exactly what the number is. I believe one of them had 7,000 promises, or about 7,000 promises in the Word of God that people picked out and said, here's a promise of God. I don't doubt that. I don't know. I don't remember exactly what the number was, but it was a large number. God gives us promises for everything we face in life if we're where we need to be. If we're not the kind of Christians we need to be, if we're not living the life we need to be, don't expect God to bless us. As a church body, don't expect God's blessings if we're not doing what God tells us to do. What does He tell us to do? To read our Bibles, to study His Word, to share the gospel, to share it with people outside the church. I want to know we could go. He tells us this is what is required of us. But in return, all the promises of God are yes. If God says to do it, and you're convinced God says to do it, then go out and do it. But don't justify it by your nature, justify it by His. Are we relying on God's promises? They unsuccessfully depend on their own strength sometimes. We want our strength dependent upon. Oh, but I read my Bible at least three times a week. I spend five minutes a day reading my Bible. Now, what else could you want? That's not what God's telling us. He tells us, pray without ceasing. All the promises of God, we need to understand them. By the way, that verse is 2 Corinthians one twenty. For all the promises of God in Him are yes and in Him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Some Christians falter when it comes to reading, remembering, relying on God's promises. You know, it amazes me, and I used to be this way, that, you know, most, most guys, I'm going to use guys because I are one of them, most guys, well, I just can't remember those verses, memorize those verses. It's funny, but we can remember every statistic that Dak Prescott has in football, but yet we can't remember a verse that God says is important. I remember a time, and in fact, it was brought to my attention some years ago, that, man, I could quote you baseball statistics one after the other for probably an hour of different players. And I had a good friend. In fact, I've mentioned him several times, Doug Lacey. And we was talking one day, and he says, how come is it that you talk about you can't remember verses, but yet you can quote all those baseball statistics? You know what the difference was? I wanted to quote those statistics. I didn't want to remember God's verses. And that began to change the way I looked at it. I still don't have a real good memory, so keep that in mind. But anyway, but if we're to be more than conquerors, we must trust God and depend on His promises. 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 56 says, There has not failed one word of all His good promises which He promised to us. There's not been one word of all the promises that ever failed according to God's word, not according to me, according to his God, until His word. The third thing we see, we can conquer with more peace. Philippians chapter 4, verse 7 says, 
And the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. Wow. The peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. Philippians 4, 7. Some Christians fail to be victorious because they lack God's peace in their heart. They live in fear and doubts. With fear, they live with fear and doubts rather than with faith and confidence. When you read God's Word, you can take it for what it says. You can believe it totally. As, Christ, as a Baptist, we call ourselves the people of the book. But yet, we don't usually read the book. We don't understand the book. We don't enjoy the book like we should. And I'm talking about Baptists of all, uh, all of us. They live with fear and doubts rather than with faith and confidence. If we're to be more than conquerors, we must be partakers of God's peace. Jesus said in John 14, verse 27, My peace I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Have you noticed or read any statistics about how much people worry nowadays? I mean, it's literally making people sick, worrying about what might happen. If South Korea is going to send a missile over here and blow us off the face of the earth, if something's going to happen, the Islam is going to take over this country. We worry about things that probably are never even a possibility. I mean, I don't know statistics of our military, but I think it's probably the most powerful military in the world. But yet we worry about things that could happen, that might happen. Listen to that verse again. My peace I give you, let not your hearts be troubled. If you're in Christ, there's no reason to worry. That doesn't mean we're not going to worry, but there's no reason to worry. My peace I give to you, let not your hearts be troubled. We need to simply accept the peace that Jesus Christ offers us. The next thing is conquer with more praise. Psalms chapter 71 verse 14 says, But I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. Do we praise God as we get older? Do we praise more? I mean, it doesn't have to be a certain kind of music to praise God. Now, I've shared with you before over and over that I'm Southern Gospel. I just love Southern Gospel. I love four-part harmony. Even though I can't do it, I still love it. But it just I love the, the quartet songs. I mean, if, ain't, if it ain't Gaither, it's not gospel, in my opinion. But I just, that's what I like. I'm just, I guess I was raised on country music, and that's the closest thing I can find to it. But anyway, that's another story. But it, conquer with more praise. All praise means is that we lift up Christ in everything we do. Oh, but I don't like that new music sometimes we sing. Well, guess what? Jesus does, so get used to it. <laughs> I mean, he loves praise music. You know what we're going to do in eternity? We're going to be praising God. If you don't like it now, you might as well stay here because it's not going to be a fun place. Now, I'm kidding now, of course, but it, But we get so wrapped up with what kind of music we want to have. If it praises Jesus Christ, what does it matter? Now, I want to share with you something. This is just personal opinion, but here... Was it two weeks ago that uh, Miss Celia, or t- yes, two weeks ago that we had, the, she sang that special. What was it she sang? I don't remember. 
Jesus is a wonderful child. If that didn't get you to start moving, something's wrong with you. I mean, that. I was about to get up and join her. <laughs> Just, she did a tremendous job on that song. Now, I'll tell you this. That morning, I talked to her, and she was practicing the board, and I said, I need to sing that song with you. And she told me, and this is her words, you're too white. <laughs> she can, she's not here so I can talk about her, but... <laughs> But she's right. I mean, she's, she got it nailed down right. But, but, I mean, why can't we enjoy singing praise to God? Why can't we enjoy having fun in church? The most fun people on the face of the earth ought to be Christians. I mean, we ought to have joy about us. But many times we don't. We walk into house, the house of God for worship service, and many times we sit there like this. I mean, you ought to come and look at yourself sometimes. <laughs> I'm kidding you, but no, I'm not. <laughs> Good point, Miss Judy. <laughs> but we need to have more praise. Many Christians are remiss when it comes to praising the Lord. They wear long faces, possess negative attitudes, and lack victory in their hearts. And consequently, we have so many churches that are victoriously shortcoming because we don't teach there's victory in Jesus Christ there's victory in living for God it's not a mundane life it's a life of victory and fun and enjoyment I've got a feeling when we get to heaven there's going to be so much fun going on we're going to, we Baptists might feel out of place I don't know because so many people think well when you walk into church you need to be quiet and somber don't smile, because that could be the wrong indication. And just enjoy the service. How can you enjoy that? I remember church when we were, I think we were between churches, and we were visiting church, and church in Whitesboro, Texas, up west, uh, east of Gainesville, about 10 or 15 miles. And Judy and I, and of course the boys were pretty small at the time, and we went to church. This church ran 250 people I mean, every Sunday, and probably more than that many Sundays. We walked in, we sat about where Ken and Janet are, up toward the front, I mean, close. I thought that's where you're supposed to sit. That church had a time of welcome and walked around shaking hands and greeting people and hugging each other, and not one person spoke to us the whole day we were there. I'm serious. I can remember to this day, not one single person even shook our hands, nothing. The guy that was a pastor was a friend of mine. I called him the next day. I says, man, you, you got a problem. I said, we didn't even get spoken to, let alone talked to. And we were sitting near the front. Let's don't let that happen in our church. When somebody visits this church, let's shake their hand so many times their hand feels sore. I mean, give them so many hugs. that I mean, We got huggers around here. Talking about Celia, I mean, she's a hugger. And I made the mistake to a couple of times reaching out my hand. And she said, put that away. She just grabbed you and hugged your neck. I like that. I didn't grow up as a hugger. Even in families, I didn't grow up. I married into Judy's family. And her dad and her brother and her uncles and everybody else in line come up and just hug my neck. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. What is this? We didn't hug in my family. I'm serious. But we need to be a hugging family in this church. A loving family in this church. Let's move along real quick. Conquer with praise. Psalm 71, verse 14. 
but I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. If we're to be more than conquerors, we must praise the Lord. Listen to these verses. Psalms 146, verse 2. While I live, I will praise the Lord. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Psalms 34, 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be on my mouth. Now, does that sound like most of us? Does that sound like what we should be? Let me give you a a few more. And we're going to get out of here today. We're not going to be here very long. But I heard that back there. I wrote I wrote down the ten most wanted men, but don't take it as only men. It should be mankind. The ten most wanted people, let's put it that way. The person who puts God's business above any of his own. The man who teaches and sets an example for his children. The man who recognizes that anyone who needs him is his neighbor. The man who measures his giving by what he has left rather than what he gives. The man who reads the Word of God with as much diligence as he reads a sports paper. The man who lives for the treasure in heaven rather than the pleasure on earth. The man who recognizes his obligations to his family, his church, and his community as well as to his business. The man who sees his own faults before he sees the faults of others. The man who wants to keep others, wants to, excuse me, the man who wants to help others rather than serve himself. And lastly, the man who recognizes that all of life should be lived distinctively. You know, if we would begin to, now, by the way, I did not write that. If we'd begin to take some of those into heart, 2018 will be a different year for Robertson Avenue Baptist Church. If people would begin to do those things, you know why? Because that's a picture of Jesus right there. That's all it is. And all we're supposed to do is emulate Jesus. Now, I like old Paul. I like Peter in the Bible and all those. But the Bible doesn't tell me to emulate him. It says to emulate Jesus. That's our focus. Yes, we're beginning the new year tonight. It might not be a very nice new year starting out, but it'll get better. But at the same time, what about us? How are we going to change 2018? Because I think we need to all change a little bit. I think we need to see Jesus and let people see Jesus more in us than we ever have before. Yeah, we've had a few struggles in 2017, but God's brought us through it. We've had some chat. We've even had some drama in this church in 2017. Now, hopefully we don't have any more of that, but that's, that's another story. But I'm, what I'm saying is, this time next year as we look back on 2018, we can be the kind of church that we want to be today. What kind of church is that? Only we can make that decision because we are the church. It's not dependent upon how many visitors come. It's not dependent on who comes and sings for us. It's not dependent on who comes and does programs and different things. It's dependent on each one of us.
what are we going to do to make our church a better church in 2018? We've got to answer that. All I can do is what I know God told me to do. I can't do it for you. You can't do it for me. We'd planned on tonight, and I was really looking forward to this, to having our fellowship time. And then about 10 minutes to 12, we were going to all come in here. And we were going to have a prayer meeting the whole night. Well, the whole, not the whole night, but the whole through the, year, through the new year as it comes in. Can you imagine if we would have been on our knees to God in prayer last year at this time? Now, obviously, the weather's not going to permit that or doesn't look like it is. We've already you know, tried to get in touch with people. And please, if you talk to somebody today, call them and tell them that we're not having any services. And because it's, according to CB just a while ago, said it's supposed to start getting worse in just a little while. And so we won't have any service here at all because we don't need to be on the icy streets. But let me ask you to do something. Two things. Tonight, if you're awake, and I know that's hard for some of us, say a prayer for this church tonight at midnight as we go into the new year. But then one other challenge I want to leave you with. Pick up your Bible and read it this year. I'd suggest read it through if you can. You can read the Bible through in a year without much challenge to it. There's plenty of Outlines where you can finish the Bible from cover to cover in a year's time if you want to. Because I think the more we know of God's Word, the more we'll learn from God's Word. And folks, we need God to do a move in our church. I believe He wants to. I think we're just stopping Him from doing it. It's it's got to start with me, exactly. Let's stand together this morning. I know we're early, but it's, I think, still pretty nasty outside, but it's supposed to get worse, so we won't get you off the streets. Uh, next week, we'll have our New Year's sermon. Man, I spent too much time working on this. If I have to deliver it in July, we're going to deliver it. So just, <laughs> but I want to just ask you this morning, and I know we're just, just family here today. If God's speaking to you about something, the greatest place to talk to him is on your knees at the altar. I don't know if you have a special need or anything else. That's, that's between you and God. But as Judy just plays this, and if you want to sing along that song, you know it by heart. Sing along, but let's just spend some time in prayer for just a few moments. We're about 20 minutes early. But what a great way to start off the new year, asking God to bless each one of us, but also our church family. Dear God, we thank you, Lord, for this time you've given us. Lord, now as we come to this time, I just pray that you would just call us to prayer, whether it be right in our seat, whether it be at the altar, whether it be standing there or sitting, whatever it may be. Just use this time to call us. And, Lord, we just, with all of our hearts, we want, you to, see, we want to see you turn this church around. And, Lord, begin to bless it and begin to use it. And, Lord, we've got the facilities. We've got the place here on the highway. We've got a community that's in need. We've got everything that's waiting on us. Lord, give us the courage to be the people you want us to be this next year. Let it begin today, Lord, as we pray this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.